Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, would you open them up to the book of Ruth? We're going to be in chapter 1. We covered the first part of chapter 1, or at least the first couple of verses of chapter 1 last week. So we're going to continue in there. We're in a series called Ruth, Love That Never Quits. And what we're finding from this story is we're going to see, displayed by some of the characters in the story, the love of God and how it extends to us and also the gospel. And so um, we're going to start reading in verse 6 from chapter 1, and the words should be on the screen as well. And this is, When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left that place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. And then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. And even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this they wept aloud again. And then Orpah, not Oprah, Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and to her gods. Go back with her. Verse 16. I love this, but Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. And so the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, which means bitter, because the Lord Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. Jesus, we are thankful for your word, for its might, its power, and its ability to change us. Father, we ask that you would reveal yourself to us today, that we would see and discover your love. God, I pray that we would walk out of this room as changed people because of it. We thank you for this in your precious and most holy name. Amen. Before you grab a seat, I want you to turn to someone nearby you and ask the question, what is your song as a couple, or what is one song that you would want pray, played at your funeral? So if you're a couple, what's your couple song, or if, what was one song you'd want played at your funeral? Tell that person that, and then you can grab a seat.
My funeral song's gonna be Another One Bites the Dust. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking, that's not. Uh, me and my wife's song, It's More by Matthew West. That's one of, uh, that's the one we had played at our wedding and kinda. I, I wanna start this morning by talking to you about the power of sound. The power of sound. Certain sounds can have a very powerful as, like, adverse effect on us. Do any of you in this room have a sound that you just hate, you just despise the, the, the noise of it, okay? Yeah, there, there's quite a few. So, like, you've got nails on a chalkboard, right? There's that one. Is anybody in here, like, the styrofoam thing, you know what I'm talking about? Um, as a kid, I hated the sound of corduroy rubbing against each other, so I refused corduroy pants because it just <laughs> despised it. Um, Kids with their high-pitched screaming, mm. squealing brakes on a bicycle or a car, that's a delightful one, or snoring, <laughs> right? Snoring, yeah, that can have an adverse effect. And when you hear these sounds, just, just hearing the sound has an effect upon your body. You cringe, you can even squeal your eyes cover it, you know, there's like, there's a physical reaction to the sound that comes from it. Sound has the ability to have that immediate reaction to us, but something else that it does is it has the ability to find a permanent home in our brain. There's certain things that we hear or that we learn or that we think of that we cannot ever unlearn. Let me prove this to you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. Um, <laughs> There, or the, the age-old Kit Kat bar commercial, give me a break, give, this is my best shot ever at singing, Paula, you want to come join? She's like, no, I'm, <laughs> right? Um, there's the, the Subway $5 foot long commercial, everybody remembers that one. Um, if I say I'm loving it, McDonald's, okay, okay. Just do it, Nike, okay, Snap Crackle, Pop, that's right, Rice Krispies, and then Taste the Rainbow. See, these are things that you've heard that you just can't unlearn them. They're stuck inside your bread. And, and this is what I find is what this teaches us is that sound can be both painful and have the ability to linger. Sound can be both painful and have the ability to linger. I want you to think about the sounds of Naomi. There first was the sound of her choice. Elimelech and Naomi decided that they were going to leave God's presence, God's people, God's commands, and head to Moab. We talked about this last week, that they were walking away from discipline, and they were choosing to try to find bread, trying to find life, trying to find sustenance apart from the people of God and apart from the presence of God. See, they looked at their situation, and they're like, you know, things, things aren't how I want them to be here, so I'm going to go find life somewhere else. I'm going to go find fulfillment. I'm going to find joy and happiness apart from this. But instead of them finding life, what encountered was tragedy. They encountered something else. But the, the sound of her choice, I just wonder, 12 years removed, she's heading back to Israel. Her husband has died. Her two children have died. Can't you see her walking that road as the sounds of her choice play back in her head? She's remembering back to that very first conversation with Elimelech where they started talking about leaving. Started talking, well, maybe we should, I, I know we shouldn't, and I know that's not where we're supposed to be, and I know that that's not God's best for us, but it really looks good there as they start to replay that conversation. I think she rehearsed it in her mind, her decision to go to Moab. 
the decision she now regrets, that she wishes she could go back and rewrite the story, rewind it to that moment. So there's the sound of her choice. Then there's the sound of their lingering. You know, it started with, we're going to go there for a time because there seems to be bread. So we'll, we'll go there and we'll get things figured out. But then we'll, we'll, we'll make our way back to Israel. But it said that they remained there and they remained there for over a decade. They were there for well over 10 years. What was supposed to be this temporary stay returns into a remaining there. And, and I wonder if the sounds of her lingering, like the, the constant conversations are bouncing in the back of her head between her and Elimelech going, should we stay? Should we go? Should we stay? Should we go? But then there's the sound of destruction. I don't know about, about you, but what I noticed is this. Is that I, my kids have, uh, their cries have different sounds. You notice that? Like, you can be with people, and they're like, hey, your kid's crying. And you listen to the cry real quick, and you're like, ah, they're fine. <laughs> Based on the sound of the cry, you can tell, is this like, um, I'm tired, I'm hungry, I'm grumpy, I just want attention. And then there's that cry. There's the cry that, like, as soon as you hear it, you're like, Whoop, where are they? And you're like, I got to get there because that's the real one. Ruth was likely there to hear the sounds of the three most important people in her life as they breathe their last. Imagine that lingering in the back of your head. Holding all three of them, the most important people in her life, quite possibly as they breathed their last. That last sound was the result of all the former sounds. Of their choice to leave, their choice to linger and stay, their choice to live in what they knew was outside the commands of God. And now she is hearing the sounds of the destruction that has come from that. And that last sound changed her. She went away from Israel as Naomi, as pleasant. That's what her name means. But as she returns back into Israel, I want you to notice the people of Israel just looking at her. They go, is that Naomi? Something's changed. And she walks up to them and she's like, don't call me Naomi. I'm not pleasant anymore. I'm Mara. I'm bitter. You see, the soundtrack of the enemy, the soundtrack of the enemy wants to play on repeat in your head. And the longer we rehearse a lie in our head, the more we will believe it. And the longer we rehearse the pain and the damage that's happened in our life, the more that that pain and damage is going to continue to create. You see, the truth is this, there's a soundtrack that the enemy wants playing constantly in your head. He wants to remind you of your destruction. He wants to remind you of your past. He wants to remind you of your brokenness. He wants to say these things like you're broken. There's no hope. It's never going to get better. It's over for you. Get rid of everyone good in your life because you're toxic to everyone. Because what the enemy wants to do is the enemy wants to rewrite your identity. He wants you to get a new name. He wants to move you from pleasant to bitter. And if we're not careful, we can slide into that so quickly and so easily. We start rehearsing the things that we've done or that has happened to us. And over time, it starts to erode what we think about ourselves, but more importantly, what God has declared over us. And then without even realizing it, we slip into a brand new identity and we claim a different name. See, the truth is this is a cautionary tale. The start of this story is a cautionary tale for us as parents and for families and churches. How are we leading 
our families? How are we discipling our children? Where are we showing them where we find our sources from? Is there any people in here who, who love to hunt or fish? You just raise up your hand. You've got that spot, right? I found this, our uh, receptionist in the Muncie office, Pixie, she's a fisherman, fisherwoman. Um, but she's got a spot she will not tell anyone in Muncie. She goes there, it's like secretive. You would think that there's like gold hidden there. Like this lady, you're like, hey, where's that spot at? She'll look at you and go, nope. You don't get to know. Like, and I've known her for 10 years. And she's like, nope. But she's got her source. She goes, she's got the place that she goes to that in her mind has the best fishing. Same thing with hunters. There's that spot. It's where their tree stand is. That's, you know, it's where, where they've kept it at. But some of you, it's, maybe it's not that. Maybe it's the place you always go to for vacation or that place that you love to eat that like every Friday you're there. That spot. It's that source that you go to. My question for us is where are we showing our kids where we find our source for love, joy, for hope, for peace and security? Is it in this world or is it in God? You see, this is a cautionary tale because Elimelech and Naomi, they, they showed their kids the wrong place to find their source. Are we teaching the truth of the consequence of sin, that it longs to steal, to kill, and destroy? Or are we making cultural compromises that they're going to follow? Because whatever we do in moderation, they will do in excess. And it's a cautionary tale for us all. Of are we trusting that God is enough or are we searching for what we think we want outside of him and his commands? The beginning of the story of Ruth, those first few verses, they're there to reveal the power of sin and its consequences. But the rest of the book is to reveal the beauty of God's love that can save, rescue, redeem, and restore. So if you're here today and you're saying, you know what, Pastor Josh, it feels like that that soundtrack's been playing for a long time. Can I just tell you something? Would you pause long enough this morning to let God rewrite it? To insert some different language. Because identity is shaped by what we cling to. Naomi moves from Naomi to Mara because she's clinging to her past, her brokenness, her pain, and her sin. Her life was defined by the fact that she left God's people, his presence, his commands, and his discipline. She left the only place that life could be found to pursue safety, comfort, pleasure, and success outside of it. The, the story says that she left Israel, she left Bethlehem, the house of bread, because in her mind there was no bread. There was famine. She didn't want to encounter the discipline of God, so they're like, forget this. We'll go find it somewhere else. We'll go to Moab. And she heads that way. They went to Moab, which was a people and a culture that lived directly against everything that God and his nature and his character stood for. But what they found is they had actually left full. They left Israel with wealth and with money and with family and with kids and everything going great. But as she returns, picture this with me. There's no bags. There's no long toe of all of her supplies. There's no family. It's her and her daughter-in-laws walking back more alone and empty than they've ever been before. You see, Ruth inserts into this story something that Naomi had not. Ruth inst institutes and brings into this story faith, truth, and hope. So let's examine Ruth's choice. 
because it's the very opposite of Elimelech and Naomi. Elimelech and Naomi, they, they looked at their situation and they used human reasoning and they're like, okay, I think I can find what I want outside of God's will. And so they left God. Ruth, on the other hand, she's in her culture. She's a Moabite. They're living in Moab. She's got family there. She's got means. She's got ways to be able to take care of herself. If something goes wrong, she's got family nearby she could probably go to. She can go back and live with them. She can find another husband. She could get anything that she needs. But she's looking at the situation and she does the exact opposite of what Elimelech and Naomi does. She abandons everything for the sake of God. She says, absolutely not. I'm not leaving you, Naomi. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. She makes a choice that goes completely against anything that seemingly makes sense on the surface. She abandoned her home, her culture, her country, her previous faith, her people, her friends, her stability, her support. She flung it all on faith in who God was. Ruth chooses faith over comfort. Man, is that not what we live for in America? <laughs> if there's any idol that we serve, it's the God of comfort. Right? There's nothing better than a Friday night than sitting in your lazy boy chair. You've got a bag of Doritos and a Pepsi. <laughs> Some of you are like, oh my gosh, he just described my life. <laughs> right? No, but like we, we do, we, we, we live for that. But Ruth rejects comfort for the sake of the people of God. To be with and to show love to Naomi. But she also chose faith over fear. Her choice did not make sense to the rational mind. In fact, it made so little sense, Naomi tries to talk her out of it. She says to her, are, are, are you kidding me? You can't do this. Go back home to your family. Go back home to where you're protected. I, I can't provide for you. I'm poor. I've got nothing. If you come with me, you are destined to a life of poverty. I can't give you another son of mine. There is nothing that I can do and provide for you. You need to go home. And Ruth looks at her and says, don't even try. I'm coming with you. She's saying, do you understand what you're accepting? You're going to be stuck with me. You'll be poor, and you're going to be begging for scraps for the rest of your life. But you see, Ruth knew that begging for scraps in the presence of God is better than brokenness and all the wealth in the rest of the world. Because guess what? There is no begging for scraps in the presence of God. He restores he redeems and he blesses. And you're going to find that the woman that starts off begging for scraps ends up one of the wealthiest in the community. That's what God does when he encounters brokenness. You see, she even says to her, your situation will even be worse than mine. You're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. You're not a saint, you're a pagan sinner. You don't even know the culture of people. If you come with me, there's no hope. But love has a different perspective, doesn't it? Ruth left her culture to find life in the presence of God. You see, that Jesus tells this story about the parable of hidden treasure and the pearl of great price. And he says there's a man who essentially is walking along this field and he kind of stumbles over this little like spot in the ground and out of nowhere he finds this treasure that's full of gold. 
and realizes no one has any clue this is here. So he goes home and sells absolutely everything that he has so that he can buy that field and have that treasure because that treasure is worth more than everything that he had before. It's worth giving up everything. That's what Ruth is doing in this moment. She has seen Naomi and Elimelech serve the God of Israel, and she has seen something that is so far different than the culture that surrounds her. They served the God Chamosh, right? They served a God that had to be worshipped through child sacrifice, And she hears this, and then suddenly she starts hearing the different stories. Like, maybe it was from Exodus 34, when she hears this description of God. And it says, and he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. She's like, wait a second, that's different. That's worth giving everything up for. Her faith allowed her to see differently when no one else could. One of the great successes of the American military in not the last few decades has been night vision goggles. They can walk into an operation where their enemies cannot see anything because it's under the cloak of night. But they'll turn on their little night vision goggles and they can see everything. They can walk into a building and see every person that's in there. They can see the situation. They can see the enemy. They can see what they're up against. But no one else can unless you have that. You see, faith allows us to see differently. It allows us to see past what even the rational mind can't understand. Ruth's choice makes absolutely no sense rationally. And yet when you get to the end of the story, it's the best decision ever made. You see, what happens is it's like she put on those night vision goggles. Her ability then is able to see what no one else could see because she was looking through the lens of love. Can I tell you something? God has a perspective of love towards you that doesn't make sense. We were his enemies. We have done everything we possibly could do to give him a reason not to love us. And yet he sees through it all and sent his son to die on a cross for us. To come to rescue, to redeem. See, love's decision in focus, Ruth realized that forward is better than backward, even if it costs me everything. Elimelech and Naomi, they were movable. Their faith was willing to be swayed by reason and by their circumstance and by what happened and by, most importantly, what they wanted. Ruth, on the other hand, was steadfast and unmovable. She had found life, and nothing would take her from it. I love this. Like, Orpah is also coming along, but Orpah gets lost in the story. What you read today is the end of Orpah. We know nothing else about her. (laughs) Because she didn't choose faith. She went back to her home. She went back to brokenness. She went back to serve an idol that was made of wood or stone. Ruth, on the other hand, as she's being begged to go back home, Ruth's like, you will not get rid of me. Like, I, I, I've got uh, my youngest son, Calvin. Um, he's in a stage right now where he's incredibly brave at the moments he shouldn't be. 
and then incredibly shy in the moments whenever like you need him to detach and he just grabs dad's leg and it's like everywhere I go it's like I'm dragging a weight with me like that's what that's what Ruth's doing like you get this picture she's got a hold of Naomi and she's like "Mm -mm, you ain't going anywhere without me I have found life in the God that you serve I'm coming along and nothing will separate us but death she says that it's, she's got a decision. She's got a focus. She's saying, I have found life, and I will not leave it. But love also has a sound. These words have been recorded, and they've been used countless times through countless generations. They've been used in weddings as vows. I want to read them to you one more time, starting in verse 16. It says, but Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Because where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Can I tell you something? Look at those words one more time. That's the words, that's the heart of a Christ follower. God, where you go, I go. Where your presence is, that's where I want to be. God, I'm going to find my life. I'm going to find my success. I'm going to find my fulfillment in you alone. I refuse to find it in Moab or anywhere else. God, I want you. Can I tell you something? This is the beauty of this. Ruth added to Naomi's soundtrack. To that point, Naomi's soundtrack sounded something like this. I'm forgotten. I'm abandoned. I'm alone. No one is for me. Everyone is against me. It's going to be me versus the world for the rest of my life. There is no hope left and can you just can you just see because listen we know this we have encountered that soundtrack in our own life as the the enemy just loves to whisper to us you're alone right we've heard that but but this is what i love when, when we encounter the love of god and then we show the love of god the love of god the soundtrack breaks into people's lives Listen to the words of Ruth. She's directly speaking against the enemy's soundtrack to Naomi. She's saying, no, 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 you're not alone. I'm with you because God's with you. Wherever you go, you're not going to be alone. You're not forsaken. You're not forgotten. I will not leave you. Can I just tell you, someone here today, we need to know, listen to me, that the God that you serve is for you, not against you. The God that you serve has not abandoned you, not forgotten you, not forsaken you, that in the midst of your pain, even though right now you feel like I'm Mara, I'm not Naomi. I'm no longer pleasant, I'm bitter. I'm no longer happy, I'm broken. Listen to me, the God that you serve can show up and change everything, but you gotta let him change the soundtrack. And some of you right now, God's wanting to use you to be the soundtrack in somebody else's ear. to be the words of scripture and life and hope into their life. Because you know, for many people, the first taste of God they're ever going to get is they sample the fruit in your life. Ruth hears the soundtrack of Naomi and goes, nope, 
there's a different playlist you need to put on repeat. Ruth added to her soundtrack. The new playlist said something like this. You're loved. You're not alone. You're not forgotten. I will be faithful. I will be by your side. See, there's beauty here because there's also power and love. Have you allowed today your past to rewrite your identity? Have you maybe today moved from Naomi to Mara? See, in the story, the one here who should have known better didn't. The one who should have known better was Naomi. She was a part of the people of God, had lived in the people of God, but she'd forgotten. She should have known that there was hope, but she didn't. But Ruth's faith and love, I love this, was an invitation to God to reenter the story. As she displayed this love, it was an invitation saying, God, you're right. On the surface, it looks hopeless. But will you reenter our story? You see, love has a power. It has a power to change things. We're keenly aware of sin's power. Because in this story, we've seen that it has taken, it has stolen, it has destroyed, it has robbed Naomi of everything that she has. It has left her feeling bitter, hopeless, and defenseless. And for many of us in this room, you have encountered the true power of sin. You have encountered what it's like to be snapped at the very core of who you are. To feel like that you're holding your life in your hands and it's just pieces. Jesus said that the thief has come to steal, to kill, and destroy, but I'm very thankful the verse doesn't end there. He says, but I have come that you may have life and life to the fullest. See, love's power changes everything. As Ruth placed her faith in God, she invited him to come and renew, rescue, and restore the story of their family. Her faith in God invited his power and his presence. Here's what we need to know from the story of Ruth. You are loved like this. You are loved with a love that never quits. You have a soundtrack that needs a new song. Sin and brokenness may have left a very powerful sound, even a lingering sound. But God has a new soundtrack he wants you to put on repeat. You might be hearing the sound of your choices, the sound of your lingering, or the sound of your destruction, and it wants you to believe that your story will never change, but love wants to enter your story. Have you let it? See, the truth is this, that love entered the story of humanity over 2,000 years ago as Jesus was born to a virgin, and he grew up, and he lived a perfect and sinless life. And then there's this fateful night as he sits around with his closest followers as he's taking the Passover meal with them and he looks at them and he takes the bread and he breaks it and he says this is my body broken for you and that moment what our savior is doing is he goes I know your brokenness but I'm going to be broken so you can have my wholeness I know your sin but here's the cup and it's going to cover every stain that you have love entered your story 
Love left the comfort of heaven to find you. Jesus left the splendors of of heaven to subject himself to the worst torture humanly possible. And not only that, but love has made some declarations over your life. I want to read to you from Romans chapter 8, and you're going to find that this sounds very familiar to Ruth's words to Naomi. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. What then shall we say in response to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ who died, more than that, who has been raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and he's interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I love this. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. For those who are in Christ, do you realize that the, root, the, the words of Ruth basically ring true over your life? God looks at you and he says, you're my child, you're my own. Nothing can separate you from me. You are loved with a love that never quits. You are loved by a God who is for you, not against you. You are loved by a God. And love has a sound. As your past tries to remind you of your brokenness, can you remind it of a different sound? As it tries to remind you of the final breaths of what you loved as it was taken, can you remind it of two other breaths? Jesus' final breath on the cross had a sound. Scripture says that he exited with a cry, with a loud cry. And he breathed his last after saying, paid in full. Every sin, every shame, paid in full. But there's a second sound. There's a second breath that I want you to hang on to that's even more important. It's the sound of his body on the third day. As he was resurrected to life, let that be the soundtrack of your life. My sin is paid and I have life. See, love has a power. Christ has come to restore, to rewrite, and renew. But your story cannot be resurrected in Moab. You have to come home. Your story cannot be resurrected in Moab. You have to come home. Great, if you can come up and play behind me. Um, If we were betting people, we would look at Ruth's story and we would say, hopeless. Especially in their culture. She can't own land. She's penniless. She has no property. She has no way to make an income. For the rest of her life, she's going to basically have to follow the people in the fields, 
gleaning whatever they've dropped and left behind, hoping there's enough to sustain her life. She's too old that there's no way that, like in her mind, there's anyone that's ever going to marry her. She's going to be poor and penniless for the rest of it. In her mind, she's already completely written off her story, and that's one of the reasons she's pushing Ruth away. She's saying, I don't want to drag you into my mess. There is no hope, Ruth. Can't you look at me? There's no hope, she's saying. But this is what I love. Ruth has found something that Naomi should have known, but that Ruth has been longing for her whole life. She has seen and found a God that has rescues, restores, and declares love and hope. And so Ruth sees with the eyes of faith, and she goes, listen, the God you've been telling me about, that God parted waters. The God you've been telling me about, he rescued your entire people out of slavery and bondage. Are you telling me he can't fix this situation? And so Ruth throws her life onto faith. And she says, no, no, I'm going to put all my eggs in one basket, and that's in this God that you've been telling me about. Let's go home to him and see what he can do. Oh, come on. We got to go home. At home, there's hope. See what? What Ruth essentially did is she goes, God, here, here's, here's the story of our life. Here's the pen. Can you write something better? I think today we need to do that too. There's many of us in this room right now that if you're looking at your life and you're looking at what's been written to this point, you're just wondering, God, is there, is there hope? God, there's, there's a lot of brokenness, there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of bad decisions, there's a lot of, okay, yeah, can, I, I, I hate to, I hate to do this, I hate when people do this in movies, I'm going to spoil the story for you, okay, so you had a chance to read it anyway, so I don't feel that bad. Ruth marries Boaz, who we're going to encounter here real soon, who's a man who loves Jesus, loves God, loves, loves God with his whole heart. And she's going to end up marrying him and that God's going to bless their family. And Naomi's going to move from being Mara back to Naomi. She's going to move from being bitter to her story being rewrote and she's pleasant again. And Ruth's going to have a son. And Naomi is going to see it as if it's her own son. And the people of the town are going to gather around and they're going to call Naomi blessed. And through that son is going to come the greatest king in Israel's history, King David. And then through him and through his line, all the way going back to Ruth, comes the greatest king of all time, Jesus. Listen to me. Some of you today, you're going, Jesus, Jesus I, I don't know what you can do with my story. Can I tell you? He can do a lot with it. If you'll place it into his hands, if you'll say, Jesus, will you just rewrite it? God, I'm going to put all my eggs in the basket. I'm going to come home to you. Will you rewrite my story? Don't tell me he can't, because he can and he has. Every person in this room is a story rewritten. I went from enemy of God to in the kingdom of God. I went from broken slave to sin to adopted son of the king. He can do it for us all. Would you stand with me this morning and just bow your heads and close your eyes? I want this to be a holy moment between you and God.
today, um, maybe you walked in here and you feel like a shell of the person you used to be. You almost feel like whenever people even see you and they look at you, like they instantly they can tell, man, life's been hard. If you were to make a declaration of yourself, that, that person that you, you can, like it's a distant memory. You remember the innocence of your childhood. You remember the goodness. You remember maybe even being in the presence of God and him doing things, but it's been so long and you've went so far and you've been so broken that if like people were to come up to you, you'd be like, I'm bitter, I'm Mara, that, that's me now. It's just who I am, and it's not going to change. Can I, just, can I just beg, please hear me just for the next, next just few minutes. If you've, if you've completely <laughs> zoned me out for the rest of this message, please listen in right here. I beg you. There is a God who can rewrite your story and your identity. Everything the enemy has taken from you, he can restore. But you have to come home. You've got to fling yourself on faith and say, God, I trust that you're better than my broken past. God, I trust that you're better than everything else that I tried to find my source of life in. God, I remember those days when I was in your presence and you were good. Or maybe you've never been here and you don't even remember those days because it's never happened. Can I just tell you something? In the presence of Jesus, there's fullness of joy. There's never been a time I've ever walked away from a presence or a moment at the altar with God where I've ever felt regret, shame, or that I wasted time there. Instead, it's been that longing in my heart pumping going, I want to go back. I want to be in his presence. Today, the God of the universe is looking at you and he's saying, son, daughter, come home. Come on, come home. I want to resurrect your story, but I can't do it in Moab. Listen to me. God cannot resurrect your story if you're still clinging to brokenness. You gotta pull a Ruth. Pull the Ruth card today. Say, I'm clinging to you, Jesus. I'm grabbing a hold of that leg and I'm not letting go. Where you go, Jesus, I go. Where you stay, I stay. You're my God. If you're here today and you're saying, you know what? I want that to be of me. I wanna return home with every head bowed, every eye closed and no one looking around. If you're here today and you're saying, I want Ruth's story. I want Naomi's story. God, today I want to return home. If that's you, would you just lift your hands between you and God today? Would you lift your hand and say, God, I want that to be me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can I ask everyone in this room to pray this prayer with me? We're going to pray it out loud. There is no magical formula of words that saves you or rescues you. There's it doesn't work that way. It's what's happening at the heart. <laughs> We're going to pray Ruth's prayer today. So as I pray, would you pray with me? Father, I want to come home. Jesus, where you go, I want to go. Where you're at, I want to be. I want to spend eternity in your presence. God, today I leave every brokenness, every sin, every place that I've tried to find fulfillment 
apart from you. Jesus, you're more than enough. Would you take me in? Would you make me your own? Would you call me your son and daughter? I love you, Jesus. If you prayed that prayer this morning, and you mean it, the Bible says what just happened was redemption. And in the New Testament, what redemption means is it was when someone would be bound in slavery, and someone would come, and they would purchase them out of slavery for the purpose of bringing them home as a son or daughter. You have been rescued from slavery to sin and brought into the kingdom of heaven. And if you've made that choice today, I would, I would ask you before you leave, would you just come up and, and talk to me? We've got a book up here I'd love to give to you. It's called First Steps of Grace, and it walks you through that. It reminds you of the things that are true to you. But what we're going to do is we're going to close in this song, and it's a very gospel-oriented song. And it's called Take Me In. We sang it once today. But if you just made that confession of faith this morning, that's going to mean some new things to you as we pray and believe that God is going to do a work in your life. So let's sing this together.